Hey y'all, I am so fired up because the Unstoppable Success Summit is in my hometown, Dallas, Texas this year. We are going to be coming to Dallas April 19th and 20th, 2024. So come join us. Look, success is built on relationships and this is not some big, huge conference with thousands of people. This is an intimate, a very exclusive experience on purpose so you can build those meaningful connections so you can rub shoulders with people like, oh my goodness, I've got John Gordon, Ben Newman, Rachel Luna, Rudy Ricksteins, Henry Amar. Um, I'm speaking, there are mastermind members taking the stage. And so getting in the room is key and getting in the right room can help you achieve unstoppable success. So if you spend your time with people who see your potential, you're more than likely to reach it. So make this year make 2024 the most unstoppable, most successful year possible. Level up your business, level up your life, get the clarity, gain the confidence, get the real tools taught by people who have already paved the way for you. And um, I can't wait to see you there. So get ready to ditch your limiting beliefs and, and, uh, Stop listening to fear and go after your dreams. Go to unstoppablesuccesssummit.com and I can't wait to see you in Dallas. Okay, see you there. Thank you for tuning in to the True Grit and Grace podcast. I'm Amberly Lago and I'll be sharing inspirational stories of resilience and empowering ideas to elevate your business and your life ignite your passion and fuel your purpose. Hello, thank y'all for tuning in to True Grit and Grace. It's Amberly Lago, and I have a really good friend of mine on the show today. And we find I finally had to hit record because we were talking for like <laughs> over 30 minutes and I'm like, oh yeah, we're recording a, a podcast. So I have Sean French with us today. He is an amazing entrepreneur, the founder of The Determined Society, the author of a book that's now available on Kindle. He's got a top podcast and he's a mental performance coach who helps people to level up in sports, business, and life. He coaches a lot of athletes as well as other entrepreneurs. But more than that, he has just been a good friend of mine that we can talk about the journey, the struggles, uh, the struggles to success, what we're going through. So, Sean, thank you so much for being here on the show. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. And uh, your intro has got me in my feelings because, you know, I know our friendship has been very special and we have so many amazing conversations, you know, on the phone and we really just open up to each other. And so I just, I'm, I'm grateful for our friendship and I'm, I, I can't believe we're even recording this episode. I'm excited. Uh, well, I've been wanting to have you on. We finally made it happen. Just what you're doing is, is amazing. I love how you show up also on social media. Like I binge your reels and your interviews. <laughs> you're amazing. Thank but before you. Before we get into a lot about, you know, your determined society and, and even your book, um, I want to go back to where you started. Cause I like to share on the show because sometimes it makes, you like people like you who make it look easy for entrepreneurs when we know as entrepreneurs, sometimes there are struggles and you have so much 
unstoppable success, so mm. much grit, so much resilience. Was there an age, you know, when you were younger that you, something clicked and you're like, I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to be a peak performance coach or a mental performance coach. Was there a time uh, when you thought that's what I want to be? That's what I want to do. You know, it's really funny. Not as a kid, right? As a kid, I was focused on being a major league baseball player and no one could tell me any different. And, you oh, know, can I stop? Wait, I got to stop you right there real sure. quick. Sean, did you know I just played in the celebrity softball tournament? No, you didn't. I did. And I, where? my gosh, it was crazy. Okay. So they asked me to play and I said, yes, because it supports veterans. And then my husband was like, are you crazy? Why did you say yes to that? You don't even know how to play softball. <laughs> I get there. So I played last year and I mean, the pitcher for the Rangers was there. Dallas Cowboys, like famous athletes were there. That's so awesome. And they asked me to come back again this year. Last year, I practiced every day with my daughter, hitting the ball, catching the ball. I was, I'm still a little scared of the ball actually. <laughs> um, this year I get there and we go to our teams and they want me to play second base. Oh, now, come on now. Some of these people are serious about this game and they don't, I mean, they're professional baseball players. And I'm like, I'm going to get hit second base. I'm going to get hit in the face with the ball. And I was freaking out. My heart was pounding. And I went to the coach and I was like, you know, you might want to rethink this and have one of your professional athletes take second base. I said, cause <laughs> I really care about the team. And he looked at me confused and I said, no, seriously, you might want to rethink it. And I pointed down to my feet and right. Because of the nerve disease, I, I mm -hmm. can't even wear tennis shoes. So I had my boots on, on the okay. baseball field. So I didn't have to play second base. And I had a lot of my mastermind people at the game. And they're like, you can do it. Play second base. And I'm like, no, y'all don't understand. I don't even know if I can throw the ball. I'm not. <laughs> so I have so much respect for you that you know how to play baseball. I'm just, I'm amazed by that. So I had to tell you that story because I'm, I'm scared of the ball and yes. hey, I want to hear about your experience with baseball. Like how old were you when you started playing? Man, you know, I start my first year, I was seven years old, but backing up, let's back up. My uncle, he was, you know, a baseball player. My cousins were baseball players. They're very high level baseball players. I'm talking division one, division two college athletes. And my uncle even, you know, signed a free agent deal with the Montreal Expos back in the day. So I had some amazing bloodlines, but even before that, my mom, um, her father, uh, his name was Bobby Lee Doster, grew up in Richmond, California, all American baseball player, all American basketball. And he was a catcher. And he played in the All-American game at Yankee Stadium, hit a home run. Wow. And he was tragically killed when my mom was six years old. Um, they were in a car, all four of them, my mom, her dad, my grandma, and would have been my uncle. Um, they were driving in Northern California, drunk driver, hit him head on, killed wow. my grandfather and killed my uncle. Oh, my now, goodness. <clears throat> I say How this because. How old were they? How old oh, were they? so my mom was six. And my, oh and my David, God. which would, which was my mom's brother was, was eight oh. and my grandma and my mom lived. And I say that because it's just crazy how bloodlines go as far as athletic ability, et cetera. So I don't know, I was probably a teenager and I'm sitting there and looking at these pictures at my grandma's and it was, you know, it looked like me feeding a squirrel. And I'm like, Hey, why, why in the world is this picture black and white? They're like, 
what do you mean? I'm, I'm like, well, I didn't grow up in black and white era. Like yeah. that's your, that's your grandpa, Bobby. Wow. So furthermore in junior college, I'm playing in, at, at this, um, you know, a little bit of a fall ball game and my grandpa's old teammates end up showing up saying, I look just like him. I played identical to him, the arm action, the way the ball left my hand, like there was no difference between me and my grandpa, Bobby. Wow. And so for me, baseball was more, it was a continuation of just family tradition. So for me, it was, there was no other option, right? No other option. And I fought and I fought and I fought. And you know what? My career was cut short because of injuries. Once I got to Louisiana state university and then the major leagues was no longer heck the, the minor leagues was even no longer a thing. So it it was tough to get through. Um, Well, well, what, what did baseball teach you as far as like, what you do now as an entrepreneur, did you, did baseball teach you some life lessons? Oh, absolutely. It's it, baseball to me is the sport that'll teach you more about life mm. than any other sport. And here's why I say that for the people that are listening, that want some more context. If you fail in any other sport, right? 70% of the time you are not successful. You are cut. You are gone in baseball. There's a lot of failure built in right? It's very uncontrolled. So you can fail 70% of the time, which means, you know, let's say you have 10 at bats, you get three hits, you, you, you get out seven times, you're a hall of famer, mm. right? Like imagine going through and being 30%, 30% successful, but everybody thinking you're amazing. Right. And so what that did for me is it taught me how to really, you know, just like your, your podcast, true grit and grace, you have to be gritty. You have to be determined. You have to be delusionally optimistic in that game of baseball, because if you are not the, the lows will destroy you, mm. right? So you have to have a short memory and you have to be able to move on. That's the same way with entrepreneurship, especially in the space that you and I are in, right? Mm. It, there's a lot of failure. There's a lot of, you know, letdowns, right? It's hard. So for me, if I wasn't the baseball player I was and the things that I've done in my life leading up to this venture, I would be done by now, but it taught me to keep it going. I will not stop. Mm-hmm. Well, you speaking know? of not stopping it, your book is called unstoppable. Yes. I love it because thank you. As you know, my mastermind is unstoppable life mm-hmm. mastermind. My summit is called unstoppable success summit. So when I saw your book, I was like, oh my gosh. And now it's available <laughs> on Kindle. Yes. Uh, what inspired you to write your book? Well, I've always wanted to write a book. I remember sitting down in college, like, oh, I'm going to write my journey. Right. And I would get the extreme ADHD and I wouldn't write it. But for me, I wanted to chronicle my limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. my journey in baseball and how it led me into, you know, just being a salesperson and an entrepreneur. And for me, it's very simple, right? Successful people, they leave clues. They have a recipe for their success. You know, Ben Newman calls it the process, right? Uh, The standard, I call it the process. And I broke down everything that I believe to be successful, which is mental toughness, resilience, determination, right? Um, Strategy, clarity, intention, visualization, all that stuff. And I wrote, well, I actually did videos, actually. I did really? videos. And, You're you know, really because, good at the videos. Thank like, you. How, have you always just been in front of the camera like that? Because for me, that was really hard at first. I remember recording my first courses mm-hmm. and sitting outside 
recording stuff and starting over and starting over and starting yeah. over and stop and then go. And my daughter was like, mom, that's not how you do it. This mm. is how you do it. And she was like, scoot over. And she sat down <laughs> and she was like, hi, I'm Amberly Lago. And she just blah, blah. I mean, and I was just like, oh my gosh, she's so good, you know, but yeah. she's been in front of a camera her whole life. Was that hard for you at first being in front of the camera? Because your <laughs> videos are amazing. Well, thank you. Um, it was extremely hard, right? I remember. Yes. Yes. I remember when I was about to launch the determined society, it was just a Facebook group. It wasn't even anything. Right. And I remember I was like, okay, I want to build some buzz around it. So I'm going to, you know, talk about, Hey guys, you know, something big is coming. It was after a run. I was sitting in my driveway against my garage. Like the, the video to me now is repulsive. It was so bad. And I could just tell like my speech pattern wasn't good. My inflection and points were off. And then all of a sudden it started getting better and better and better. And to, to, I mean, it's the same thing with my show. I can't listen to some of my early episodes. I'm like, Ooh. wow, I'm really bad. I'm really bad. And now, right. I mean, imagine in two years, I'll go back and listen to these episodes. I'm like, wow, Sean, you were terrible. Right. I, I mean, it's all about that growth, but no, I was never very good at videos. I've always been a good communicator because I care and I listen more than I speak. So I just, you know, I, I like to have fun with it. And, you know, I like to have fun with so my it. was guests. just putting in the, putting in the reps for those videos. I think it yeah. gets a little easier, but thank you for sharing that because yeah. I think sometimes uh, looking at entrepreneurs who are doing videos or doing a podcast episodes and they're posting reels and everything on social media, they make it look really easy. And it was hard for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I suck. <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously. Was, oh my gosh. And and I have um my graphics team who made some shorts for me for YouTube. And they, mm. I was like, can you send me those? And some I watched and I was like, where did they even find this video? This is terrible. Like it's so <laughs> hard for me to watch. So <clears throat> thank you for sharing that it was hard for you at first, but now look at you and your podcast is amazing. I love how thank real- you you keep it with your audience, but talking about some of the points of your book, like one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the determination. Mm -hmm. How would you teach somebody to have that determination who, you know, that they're capable, you know, that they have, you know, a, a lot of good things to share with the world and an impact to make, but they don't seem to have the determination. Can you teach that? I think so. I mean, first you, you want to define what determination means to you because it means something different for Amber Lee. It means something different to Sean. So there's individuals that may not have the determination is because they don't know what they need to be determined in and they don't even understand what it means. Right. So define what it means then also, okay, define what your dreams are. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you feel? If, if you could, you know, rub a crystal ball right now, what would you say? And then you get that out of them. And it's like, okay, great. Well, who do you need to become? Like, who do you need to become? And, and, and more importantly, though, why do you want to do that? You know, why is it, you know, Sean, why do you want to be a speaker? Why do you want a podcast? Why do you want to do all this? Well, for me, it was about empowering others. Because I've been told my whole life I couldn't do something from people that I love. My father me, me and my too. grandfather. And, and that was like motivation for me. Yeah. It's like rocket fuel in a jet engine, man. Let's go. You know, mm -hmm. so for me, I had to dive into why I wanted to empower people. And it wasn't because I wanted to be on a soapbox. It was because I know how much it hurts 
to have somebody not believe in you and to be, to feel shame when you, you know, a perceived failure happens. Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell, I wanted to show people that that's a lie. And so that was for me, that gave me all that drive. Have I taken breaks? Yeah. I took a four month break. Right. But the bottom line is for me, building that determination for this brand, for me, it's the point, like, I think a lot of people would have given up by now. Mm -hmm. I won't, I'm just getting started. Like this, this means all this adversity and all this, the stress, there's a diamond about to happen, right? The pressure's here and we're going, I mean, so for me, it's just, that's what it is to find what they want and why. I think it's so important to know your why. I, I think we get, <clears throat> I don't think we get burnout from doing the things we do. I think it's when we forget why we're doing the things that we do that we can get burnout. But if you are aligned with who you are and what you love doing and, and why you're determined, um, I think that you can just keep going and you can develop that grit to keep going. So when you had people that didn't believe in you, where did you find the belief in yourself to keep going? The delusion, the delusional optimism. I mean, like quite honestly, when my, my grandfather would say, well, what's your backup plan? You're not going to, what if you don't play major league baseball? I'm like, are you serious? You listening to yourself? Like I, I literally just chose not to listen, right? Mm -hmm. I chose not to listen. And you know, he was eventually right. He was well, right. How did that but, feel when, like, I know for me, my whole identity was caught up um, when I was in the fitness industry mm -hmm. and I was modeling for shape and fit pregnancy and, you know, contributing articles and doing infomercials and videos. And my picture was on the label of vitamins at every CVS wow. and Rite Aid. I mean, it was crazy. That was my whole identity. Wow. And to have yeah. that ripped away, I lost myself. I went into a depression and I had to figure out who I really was. Did you have a time after you knew you weren't going to play in the major leagues because of the injuries that that happened um, when you were playing baseball? Did you have a time where you went through a depression or you had to kind of reinvent who you were? Or how did you get through that? By making a lot of mistakes and burning a lot of friendships. I you mean, did. oh my gosh, I, I tell you what. Um, you know, I hope one day we can reconcile like my best friends from back home in California. I mean, I would do stupid things, you know, like the what? Point of like being just out of depression, drinking too much. I didn't care if, you know, someone had a, a boyfriend, you know, and it would be in the same circle. And it just put a lot of people in the, in the, in that, in the firing squad of like, Hey, did you know this happened? And they had to lie for me a couple of times. So like, why would they want to be friends with me anymore? They, I mean, I messed up. So I was extremely hurt. I didn't know who I was. I was selfish and that's not who I truly am, but that's what I was displaying at that time. And man, I just, like I said, I just went through this, this three or four year period where I was just a miserable person. And how and, old were you in your twenties? Yeah. Late twenties, probably like 26 mm. to 29, 20, 30 roughly, you know, so good, you know, for four years, right? Because I didn't think I had a problem. I thought I was just living life. This is fun, right? Yeah. But well, the, how but did you overall, get over that? How did you change? I lost everybody that I loved. Oh. I mean, my best friends at this point still won't even speak to me. Oh my so, goodness. I mean, have and, you and, not and, been able to make amends with them or? 
No, we haven't, you know, and, and I'm trying still, and I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, you knew me then, mm-hmm. like if you loved me, then you're going to really love me now because I'm a different person, right? I've grown. But for me, that identity was gone. I didn't know who I was to your point. Like I was just flailing in the wind, you know, trying to make myself relevant by doing stupid things and fulfilling the most shallow desires. That, that was my, I didn't get addicted to drugs. I didn't become an alcoholic. And a lot of athletes that, you know, are removed from their sport early can go through that mental health journey, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, struggle and it get really serious. You know, in fact, I just did my interview. I don't even, can't even believe I'm saying this, but I did an interview with Ted talk the other day and I find out in December, if they're going to, you know, accept me into that specific, um, event based on the topic you and I are talking about right now. Wow. That's incredible. So it's really, it's really interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, that is incredible. I just think it's going to be amazing. That's going to be um, a career changer too. Yeah, I know it is. That's that's the inflection point. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so funny because give... there's so many. There's been so many points where I'm like, oh, this is the moment. This is the jump off. But the jump off to the jump off to the jump off, right? Mm-hmm. And then getting on that TEDx stage. I think that's that right there is that's it. Yeah, that's, that's huge. It. Well, what did you sh- share, if you don't mind, about like maybe three things that got you through and made you into the person you are today versus a selfish person in the past mm-hmm. making big mistakes and and not having that integrity to now who you are? You know, you make positive change in so many mm-hmm. people's lives and you're such a good person. Are there like three things that you did that were like, this is what changed me. Yeah. I stopped, I stopped like blaming them for turning their back on me and -hmm. started to look at why they did. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that, wow, I was a bad person and I held myself accountable. That's important. I think that awareness and that acceptance and that accountability is the beginning to any transformation. Mm -hmm. The other thing I did as I really just started working on myself, just kind of everything Mm -hmm. was unrelated, right? I started thinking, okay, who do I want to be? Am I there? What do I need to do to change that? Mm -hmm. And I think that, and I know through taking inventory of who I wanted to be and what I needed to do to get there, set me up to completely transform who I was, you know? So it was a lot of that deep work, right? I'm not going to say it was meditation or a morning routine or anything like that. It was just a simple fact that, dude, you don't have anything in your life right now. You've lost your friends. You are broke. You don't have a car. Right. Because I also, at that time I was going through that, the mortgage meltdown as well. So that, Mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, so not only was I not a professional baseball player, I was losing my house, my car, because I overextended myself and I, cause I was, you know, in the, I sold mortgages and I was doing really well for a while. And then I wasn't. So that was the time, like the, the two, like the identity I thought I was gaining was also being ripped away from me as well. And so I was flailing. So just the awareness, taking inventory, and then really starting to execute who I truly knew who I was, like the person I knew I was in every interaction. Mm. And then eventually the change happened. That's amazing. It does take a lot of work. And that's something Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up that a lot of people don't see is like, even after, you know, my motorcycle accident, and losing, you know, we had a lien on our house, $2.9 million worth of medical expenses. Mm. 
lost my career. I was the main breadwinner of the family. And it was six years of me really struggling in and out of the hospital, in and out of surgeries, um, but doing the deep work um, every day and crying for like a year straight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so I want people to know that like, it, it's not just some magical overnight, like, Oh, I'm cured or, Oh, things are better. I'm suddenly successful. It's like, it's a lot of deep work mentally, physically for me, it was uh, spiritually as well. And so Mm. I, I want people to know like how to be more determined. So I love what you shared about that. But to optimize mental performance, because I think so much comes from, starts with your mindset. What would you suggest or where do they even start to optimize their mental performance? It's a great question. So last night I had Corey Wade, which is a former major league baseball pitcher. He spoke to my athletes last night, Sunday night, you know, 8 p.m. He's on there pouring into him. We start talking about obstacles, right? And he says, hey, you know, these we, we, we have this example that we talk to these downhill skiers. You know, how do you not hit the trees? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have to look for them? They're like, we focus on the snow at our feet. We focus on what we need to do, and not the obstacles around us, mm-hmm. right? So, so good. What, right? So I'm going somewhere with this. So for me, in in building that, you know, mental performance aspect of it, you have to be able to focus on whatever process that you set forward that's going to help you get better. So if it's waking up at 4 a.m., fine, wake up at 4 a.m. If it's waking up at 7, make sure you're up, whatever. But follow your day the way you know it's going to impact your performance. But the biggest thing that I can say, and this is something I still struggle with, Amberly, is this. Peak performance does not mean perfect performance. Mm. So in order to be a peak performer and have great mentality, when you're in competition, you got to understand perfection isn't the goal at all. Like the work is the goal. The results are going to happen as a byproduct, but let's get away from what you think it's going to look like, right? The performance, because now we're setting expectations. Yeah. And now if we fall short, we didn't perform that move the right way in our own mind, then now we're upset. Maybe the result's still the same, right? But, but the reality is, is like, yeah, just really diving in to what you know you need to do every day, but then also realizing that most importantly, that peak performance does not mean perfect performance. That's so good. But I also like what you said about like, they don't focus on the trees. It's kind of like, you know, when you're riding a motorcycle, you're going to go where you look. So if you're looking down at the ground, you're probably going to drop your bike. Yep. And so um, that's something that I always remember from my when I took a refresher course and like riding a motorcycle that the instructor who was this big burly dude was like if you look down you will go down he goes I remember looking at the curb coming to a stop sign and I hit the curb mm-hmm. and so um I dropped my bike once I was practicing doing like circle eights in small places mm-hmm. so I was in my garage at this apartment building doing these tight squeeze, you know, uh, circles and just to practice tight turns. And I looked down and sure enough, I dropped my bike on top of me. Harleys are heavy. I think the adrenaline kicked in and I was able to get that bike up, but that was like, okay, (laughs) won't do that again. I'm going to look where I'm going, focus on where I'm going. And you have a quote. I actually wrote it down 
and, and it's on your website. Your website's beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah, it looks really awesome. Jared um, Tangier. Jared Tangier. It's my boy up in Pennsylvania did that. Really? He's incredible. He's incredible. That's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it yeah. looks really good. Thank you. Um, but you, I read on there, negative people complain about problems. Positive people tell everyone about their solutions. Unstoppable people put down their heads and work. I yes. love that. Thank I you. love that. Being an athlete taught me that. You know, mm -hmm. I ran, I ran track and it's the same thing that you have to learn in business and what you're doing. So I love how you're just like, okay, focus on what you need to do every day. Focus on that. Yep. Well, how does someone develop a positive mindset if they are constantly in the negative? Because I have some people around <laughs> me that, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, it drives me nuts. Like I can say, Hey, I won the lottery. And they're like, Oh, you realize you're going to have to pay taxes on that. <laughs> I love you know, those people, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so how do you, is there a way to change that? I mean, I know sometimes you can't change people. It's but hard. It, it is. It's so how hard. How do you Let's shift somebody's mindset that is very negative and they've been that way to a more positive mindset? As far as like someone I'm coaching, you mean like an athlete? Yeah. I would just ask them, if, hey, is your current state of mind helping you get to where you want to be? Flat out. No. Okay. Well then how would you need to look at this situation? Because you got to understand everything in life is perception, right? You know, you have a paradigm, you need to shift it right now. Right. So how could you view this better? Right. Or how could you take this thing that happened, whether you struck out or you threw an interception, what is it telling you? Right. Like what is the real impact of it? Cause I can guarantee the impact is not as huge as you think it is. You just want to be perfect. Right. So it's getting them to challenge their thought process on how something looks. Right. And a lot of times it goes down deep into psychology. Well, why do you feel negative like this? Who else in your life is like this? You know, and what are you fulfilling and how are you helping yourself by being this way? Mm -hmm. A lot of times people grow up in so many toxic situations, yeah. situations that it fuels them. That limbic system is so jacked up. They have to feel and fight. Right and fight of, of everything. It has to be negative. And if it's going smooth, if positive things happen, whoa, this doesn't fit my self-belief, mm -hmm. my core value, my, my core beliefs about myself. So then they stray to the negative. So again, getting them to break down, hey, is this really helping you? I mean, I think that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. It's so hard though. Like yeah. you, and I don't understand what makes like how, you know, growing up in a negative kind of toxic household or growing up with someone who's very negative, how some people go to the negative and then mm -hmm. how some people choose to go and be positive and say, that's not how I'm going to live my life. I am going to be positive. I'm going to do something with my life. I think it's important for everybody to know that you have a choice, like mm -hmm. you have a choice and you can choose how you want to think and what you want to do. And I think that's important because people get stuck in this belief of, well, these, this is my life. And these are the cards I've been dealt. And this is what the doctor has said, or this is what my coach has said. So it must be true, but to challenge those thoughts. Um, uh, you talk a lot about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. What does mindfulness mean to you and how has it helped 
in your business and in your life? Mindfulness means to me is just being aware of not just what you're saying, but what you're thinking most importantly, and how the two correlate into your message and how the delivery may impact somebody else negatively or positively. Right. So when I do my videos and I do my show, there's a lot of things that I want to say knee jerk reaction, but the emotional intelligence level has increased so much over the years. So it's just like, okay, how do I be mindful of how this may sound? Right. And I think mm -hmm. that is the best way that I can describe what mindfulness means to me. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> it just, you saying that just made me think of like somebody like uh, Brad Lee or our friend <laughs> Bedros, who, uh -huh. man, they just say, any, I love them. I love that mm -hmm. Brad Lee just yeah. tells it like it is. But it just made me think of them like, wow, uh, maybe they think of mindfulness differently. <laughs> I mean, we all think of it differently, I, but. I mean, yeah, I think that life experiences bring different communication styles, right? Everybody's so different. I mean, there's, is there, can I be as brash? Like, let's just call it as it is like Bradley. I mean, sometimes he's just bullet point, bullet to your head. Like he's not oh, yeah, afraid but to come he, at you I think on he his said, show. I think he says stuff that we all like. Think think and yeah. want to say, but sometimes we hold back and he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I, and I respect that about him. I love it. Like, I don't, I don't look down on him at all for that. Like, I, I think he's amazing mm -hmm. for me though. It's like, okay, do I want to do that? Yeah. Right. How, like for me, I also think about it too, is, you know, I used to curse a lot on my show. I stopped. Some people started saying to me like, Hey, really love your show. Really love my kids to listen, but you're cursing a lot. I'm like, yeah, I got mad. I got triggered at first. But here's why. Here's why I got mad. And for those of you listening right now, right? If someone approaches you on something and you get mad, it's because you're already thinking about it. And someone beat you to the punch. You did not take action early enough for that solution to be provided out publicly. So now you're mad because you feel like you're getting spanked. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I got mad and I said, you know what? You're right. So I stopped. Right. Like I'm, I'm really working on it. Cause I'm mm -hmm. intelligent enough to articulate my message. Here we are. I haven't said one curse word. Right. So I can do it. But like, then I started thinking a little deeper about it. I have a wife. Right. And I have three children. Do I care what, how they would feel about somebody talk about their dad or their husband? Mm. So I just, I just shifted, you know, I just shifted that. Well, there, there's been two times that I cut, I don't cuss a lot unless I'm, you know, well, I don't cuss a lot, but I have let some words slip if I'm around someone that I feel really comfortable with. Sure. Um, but there was two times that I've been on stage that I, once I said uh, the S word mm -hmm. <laughs> and afterwards I was like, I felt horrible about it. It just <laughs> came out and and I was speaking in Salt Lake City and there were a lot of Mormons in the audience. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, oh. my God, I cannot <laughs> like I don't cuss like that's not me. How did that come right. out? You know, and then I was speaking at one of my mastermind retreats and one of the mastermind members was like she had been through a, a really uh, tough time and and. She was like, what changed it for me is every day I look in the mirror and I say, I'm Tina effing Kendall. And I'm, Love it. I, I said something about, I was like, I was thanking everybody for being there. And I got really emotional 
and, and was crying. And then I was like, you know what? I'm Amberly Ethan Lago. But I said that I dropped the F bomb. Dropped and I, and, it. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I just said the F word. I'm so sorry. Like, you know, but it just came out. Um, That's great. Oh, but you I know think there's what? a time and a place for it. I mean, you know, like, hey, why it not? Slipped. Like, it really yeah. slipped. But that means it was natural. Right. It was natural. And they probably looked at you in a different way. Like, wow. Okay, girl, you got a little bit in you. Yeah. And it, and you it, got a little bit of bad in you. you got a little bit of bad in you and it's, <laughs> it's okay. And it probably got, it probably helped them respect you even more than they already do. You know, you know like, I think when people can see that you we're human, we make mistakes. We, you know, I just got off of a call right before this with one of my mastermind members and I was sharing something personal with her um, because she's going through something personal with her family. And she goes, wow, thank you for sharing that with me. She goes, I've always felt connected with you, mm. but knowing that we have that in common and you sharing that personal story with me makes me love and respect you even more and connect with you on a deeper level. And I think that's why you and I, Sean, mm -hmm. um, connected and we, I feel like we've been friends forever. Yeah, for and sure. I, think it's because we can keep it real with each other. We can talk about things or struggles that we might be going mm -hmm. through and maybe solutions. Um, but we can keep it real. And that's so important um, to, you know, to it's so funny. Deep connections. Yeah, I agree. Like amen to that. Cause I, I was sitting here before the show we hit record or before I hopped on the, the video recording and it's like thinking about our friendship, our relationship and how it evolved. Right. It, it started it started with me hearing you on a popular podcast. I was what like, oh, was I'm just gonna... which one was that? Was it Bedros's? No, no, it wasn't his. No. I think it was the CLS experience. Oh, with Craig. Yeah, it, it was. And then I listened to you and so then it brought me to your podcast. And I listened to you and Ken Jocelyn. Oh. And wow. then he and I connected. And then I sent you a message. And then you and I connected. And you know, it's just so funny because at that point it's just service level, you know, Hey, love what you do. You came on my show at the very beginning when I started doing guests, we got to do a, we got to do a redo. We got to go, we got to do it again. Um, but you know, and then it turned into personal conversations just naturally, nothing was forced. And, you know, I've bared my soul to you on walks before about mm -hmm. my frustration. You've given me such great advice and, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I've ever given you advice. I don't know if you've ever asked, but I just know that, you know, being your friend has, has been truly something really cool and evolving. And, um, it just goes to show you that, you know, you can make friends online, like, and it'd be like a wholesome deal too. It's like really cool. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and I, you know, I feel so grateful that we connected. I couldn't remember exactly how we connected or who I think introduced Jen LaGuardia. Us. Yeah, I think, yes, it was, yeah. it was Jennifer. Um, she's like, you got to meet my friend. And so I think she <laughs> made an introduction to yeah. us, but it's just amazing how you can meet someone online and that turns into a friendship yeah. or you can hear somebody on a podcast and it turns into like a, a deep, you know, friendship. Um, so I'm grateful for your friendship. Um, Me too. Me too. Um, do you have time for a couple of more questions? Absolutely. Girl, come on. Okay. Well, I know you talk a lot about um, brain training exercises. And I think that 
you know, it starts with our mindset and belief. Mm -hmm. And I want to know some of your brain training tips to help us be determined, more positive, more optimistic. Is there something that you offer the people that you coach or in your group coaching um, that you help them with brain training exercises? Brain training exercises is simply broken down into conversations. I, I got to be real with you. So again, like we talked about earlier, it's like, okay, why are you feeling this way? Where is it coming from? What's the root cause, right? So one of my one of my entrepreneur clients that I work with, uh, I'm you know obviously not going to say his name, but you know very prominent family growing up, and he got into methamphetamines and he was a drug addict for a very long time, and he's been clean for you know a very long time now. I can tell there was still some energy around how his brain is wired about losing time with his family, losing time with friends. So he's always seeking that approval because he still views himself as that little boy or that young adult that was, you know, fallen to addiction and burning relationships. And I said, Hey, you know, just a thought, how much of how you're feeling right now is that you're seeking approval from people that can't give it to you right now. And so it's asking questions and unraveling that big ball of yarn and finding out where it starts, right? Because you can tell somebody, hey, that's not the way to be. Your mindset is messed up, but let's really dig into it, why it's messed up. And it's just asking questions. You know, tell me a little bit more about that time in 1995. How did you feel after that? Okay, well, is that connected to how you're feeling right now? Oh my God, yes, it is. Like, boom, like we just talk about it. So there's nothing specific. It's just really being intentional with the questions in the, in the conversation, you know? And sometimes I think it just really helps to have a great coach that can ask you questions mm -hmm. and kind of unravel that or, you know, peel the layers of onion till you get to the root cause, which really, mm -hmm. really helps. Um, so do you practice, uh, do you do meditation? I don't so bad, isn't it? I need to, I really need to, I was talking about this with somebody else. I don't know who it was. It's usually my wife when I get frustrated because you need to meditate, you need to do yoga. But, um, you know, when I lift, that's my active meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, so it helps me, but uh, I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I need to gosh. Yeah. I that's was a sign. I have the, the calm app because it's hard for me to meditate. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something earlier about ADHD. Mm -hmm. Do you have ADD? Oh, absolutely. Diagnosed 100%. Me too. <laughs> I, and I don't take anything for it. So I don't, I don't either. Yeah. But no. I have found that, yeah, I think I do, you know, the, that app helps me. I'm not affiliated with that app or anything, but I needed somebody to walk me through the exercise mm -hmm. because even through that meditation and having some guidance, I'm still like, Oh, squirrel. Oh, uh, it's, it's crazy. What's this? What's this? And I it's have crazy. to be so focused. I don't mm. know if you're like this. I mean, look, people with ADHD or been diagnosed with it usually make the best entrepreneurs as long as we can stay focused. And so you should see my desk. I have to write out sticky notes all over and write it out and cross it off. If I don't, I will start one project and then go to another and then go, Oh, laundry. And then go to, Oh, let me make a snack and then go to, Oh, let me write that down. Oh, that phone call. <laughs> I am dying right now. I'm dying right now. So in the morning, this is funny in the morning. Yeah. You know, I get all my kids waters, my wife's water, my, my wife's coffee, uh, my kids breakfast, all done, right? All done. Like I, that's my 
that's what I love to do in the morning. Let's take care of my family. Right. So um, I'll do a water. I'll do the coffee. I'll look for my wife's bag, put it in the car. I am like going around like a crazy person to your point because the ADHD, it, it can bring out impulsivity. Right. Mm -hmm. And those it are, sure impulse can. Moves. those are impulse moves, not in a bad way. It's like, okay, well, Hey, got to go do that now. And I look back and you know, I've got my daughter's water bottle sitting on the counter with the reverse osmosis thing. I never turned it off. Water's everywhere, all over the floor, all over the counter. I'm like, good Lord. Like what is wrong with me? So to your point, I get like, I totally get you. <laughs> oh yeah. And I have to have, uh, sometimes we'll feel like out of control with things mm -hmm. and I have to have everything kind of put in its place to make me feel more yeah. like my closet has to be in order. My desk can't be a mess. Mm -hmm. My working space can't be a mess. Actually, I think you had a post about something about how to raise your GH. I don't know how to get better scores in school by having oh, a the GPA. Room. Yeah. We're just about clean your dang room, man. You know, clean. Yeah. Cause, cause it, like it a messy environment is a messy brain is, is you can't find anything. You don't sit down in a place where you can actually do your work. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I remember that post. I was like about, I think maybe a month ago. Um, yeah, but I want my daughter to see it. I'm going to send it to her. Oh, because, thank you. Yeah. Because she is like, I think honestly that she, she's never been diagnosed. Um, she's done tests and stuff that said that, yeah, she does have ADHD as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually had like blood work, saliva, I mean, lab results. That wow. Were, that was like, oh yeah, you've got the genes for it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Even from when I was little in school and was getting in trouble for not focusing and doing other things. But my daughter is like meticulous about, she collects horses and she's got like a hundred beautiful, uh, Horses, they're like miniature briar horses and they're lined up perfectly. Like no yeah. one can touch it. She's got mm -hmm. fish aquariums that they are perfect. Her aquariums, like she's meticulous about it. And then I look in her room and I'm like, oh my gosh, are, are those clean clothes or dirty clothes on the floor? Yeah. Did you leave your plate? Like you're on the floor, you know, we're going to get bugs, like put it away. And so I'm like, I don't get it how she can be in one area. So meticulous about like how her hair is, how her makeup is, how certain things are, mm -hmm. how her writing is on her. I think riding a horse really helps her with her focus, yeah. but then her room is disaster. So when I read your post, I'm like, I got to send that to her, to her. Why, room, do you, why do you, why do you think that is? Because it, when you have a messy place, it makes you feel, me well, for me, it makes me feel messy in my mind. So that's it's so scattered, I, right? Yeah. I, I can't deal with it. If you're asking me why I think your daughter is that way or why you and I are certain ways that everything else could be a mess, but certain things have to be lined up and buttoned up. I'm that way with my, with my show, like my show is buttoned up. The process is there. Like that is the one thing I can tell you, right. That I am locked in on mm -hmm. even to the, I still edit my own stuff, like not my episodes, but my reels and things like that. But when you feel that's the one thing that you can control, you double down on it mm -hmm. and you get impulsively focused. It's like hyper-focused. Well, that's the only thing yeah. you talk about. So yeah. like, that's how I am about my event. 
I've been obsessed. Like, why aren't I getting the graphics sooner? Why isn't the website updated? And I'm just like hyper-focused on it, which Mm -hmm. cannot be a good thing sometimes. No, it's not. It's not good for you. And it's not good for your husband. Right. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like that, that's the thing though. But you know, we're driven people. We're, We're former athletes. We're resilient trying to build something amazing for people. And, and, and you do an amazing job with your, with your mastermind members providing so much value to them. They are so blessed. I, I really, I know a few of them and I know how much they value you, but I hope everybody truly understands that what you provide them, nobody else is doing like oh, nobody. Thank you. And it's, it's, it's heartwarming. Like, thank you. It really is. That means a lot. And I know you are close to, um, a few of the members mm-hmm. who, and, and these women, I love, like my husband's very private. He doesn't like mm-hmm. people to come over. <clears throat> yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, honey, um, I'm going <laughs> to have like 20 women over. And he was like, what? And then he finally came back. He's like, look, I know how much you love these women. So <clears throat> yeah, have it yeah. in the house. It's fine. Yeah. I'm so. very close with maybe t- like re- really close with two of them. You know, like really close. Would that be Jillian and Jennifer? Yeah. Those are my girls. Yeah. yeah. I love them They're so much. They're awesome. Oh, yeah. I love them too. But you provide, you know, the Determined Society. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk about that a little bit because I want people to know, especially athletes that you're working with, how they can get into a community. Because I, I mean, I think that being in the right community just changes everything. When you have that support, when you can brainstorm together, <clears throat> you can have some guidance. It is not only career changing, it's life changing. So I cannot say the importance enough of being in a mastermind, having a mm-hmm. coach, having a mentor, having somebody that you can connect with who can guide you on your journey. So how can people get involved with your determined so- society? Yeah. So my athlete program specifically, I mean, this is something that I don't feel anybody's doing and I'm a lot like you. I give, I give, I give, I give. So the biggest thing that athletes face on an everyday basis is that mental performance anxiety, the, you know, the, the fear of the unknown and wanting to be Mm -hmm. perfect. Right. And so what happens is their performance suffers and they go through mental instability, right? Mm -hmm. They can get depressed. They can, you know, turn into bad teammates. Unfortunately, over the last few years, we've seen actual collegiate athletes and, you know, younger athletes commit suicide because of the pressures in their sport and the bullying Mm. that goes along with it. If they aren't performing like they want to, or like how somebody else wants them to. So it's serious stuff. So what I started to do is I was like, you know what, I'm going to build out a community for these people. Right. I know how it feels. I know how it feels to work your body and your skills, your hard skills so much that you are ready physically and technically, but What about the soft skills? What about the mental toughness? What about the mental resiliency in order to perform at a peak level physically? No one works on it. No one works on it. I got to LSU and I'm like, oh my God, I am way behind. I'm going to fail because I am mentally busted Mm -hmm. and I didn't work on it. So what I've done is I've created a peak performance community for athletes. We meet every Sunday night on Zoom at 8 p.m. Eastern and it's only 60 bucks a month. Now, I just are there raised, are women in, in there's, oh my gosh. Yes. So okay, that's awesome. um, I have, I have two girls from Notre Dame that are volleyball players. I have one girl that I invited last night, just signed to run track and field at Kentucky. She's wow. jumping in the group. And I just, I just raised my prices. I was at 30 bucks a month. Now I'm still in a very 
like in my opinion, very low barrier of entry, $60. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like my goal is to build this thing out to where I have a thousand athletes in it and I have to run multiple calls every single week. That's the goal. Yeah. And it's amazing. You know, we had our first guest speaker last night. Uh, Corey Wade is a former major league pitcher, you know, played with dudes like Maddox, Greg Maddox, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter. Oh, played in the you ALCS. would have loved being at that celebrity softball tournament because I need to I, know about it next year. I need to go. I didn't know. Um, who a lot of the athletes were and people oh, wow. and my family were like, you don't know who that is. That's the pitcher for the Rangers or that's the Dallas. He's a Dallas Cowboy or, you know, and so somebody like you who really knows a lot of those celebrity like athletes yeah. would be like, oh my gosh. And, you know, I, for this game, when they asked me to play again, I said, yes, I will be there. I will play as long as I can bring my mastermind people on the field with me to meet so the cool. athletes and celebrities. So I get there and I'm like, yeah, I need like 15 wristbands. I mean, not everybody could make it, but mm -hmm. they, the people who could, I showed up and I had like a whole bag full of wristbands. They gave them to me and I was like, here y'all, here's your wristbands. And as soon as the game was over, they could come down and come on the field. So it was a lot of fun, but you would really like, I would love for you to come if they ask me back next year. Let's if see they if they ask, ask me back. back. If they ask you back, say, I have somebody else that needs to play. Okay. I'll I will. Do. We'll tear it up. Yeah. I will do that if you do some lessons with me. So and, I'll and practice out. playing Here's ball. Here's the deal. Here's <laughs> what we're going to say on air, right? Okay. So nobody can go back on it. I will fly out two days early to work with you. Okay. Let's do For it. Two straight days will work. Okay. Can, you I can, just tell you, can I just tell you one thing and you're going to be like, oh, goodness. Uh -huh. So um, when they asked me to play last year, my husband was like, you are crazy. You're going to get hit in the face <laughs> with a ball. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And so I went to the store with my daughter and I got a glove and a ball and a bat. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. We get home. The sun's going down a little bit. My daughter and I are going to practice throwing the ball. The first time she threw it right in the face. Oh my God. Hit my nose. She's like, mom, your nose is crooked and it's bleeding. And I was like, and my husband just looked and he was like, see, I can't even watch this. I cannot watch this. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to practice. I'm going to be okay. Let me get some toilet paper up my nose. Make sure I kind of pushed it over. Oh my God. You set your own nose back. I swear. An animal. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm crazy. I, well, I, I've actually, I remember one time I, I, my finger jammed. I looked at it and it was like, crooked i mean it's crazy to look down at your finger and it's crooked and i just set it back real quick and went to the doctor and he goes well it's set really well who set it for you and i said that would be me he goes well you did a good job resetting it it's still a little swollen and that's been like four years ago but hey i reset good lord it. man <laughs> you're animal oh my gosh so okay we're gonna do it we're gonna it's I, done yeah it's done let's do it okay well Absolutely. um how how do people tell us how people can get involved with your community? And one more question. Uh, well, two more questions. How old do you have to be to get in as an athlete? You know, that's up to the parents really. Right. So I have an eighth grade football player that, that attends every single week. Right. Okay. I think, I'm just I thinking think, for my daughter. How old is your daughter? 
She's 15 and she's, oh, absolutely. A, horse, she's a horseback rider and so much of it is about her oh, mentality. And we just got a new trainer who is amazing. And it's mm -hmm. incredible to see that she went from getting thrown off the horse, the horse rearing up and to now there's a connection. Her mindset is she's jumping big jumps again. Mm -hmm. And it's so much about what your coach or your trainer is, is sharing with you. So that's why I was asking. I was wondering if like, maybe my daughter could like, I would jump be honored. In. I'd I'd, be honored. I would love for her to learn that. And sometimes as a parent, they don't listen as much as they do from mm -hmm. someone else. So, okay. Yeah. She's 15. Yeah. Well, I would say absolutely. I mean, she's in high school, right? So absolutely. Like, let's do that. You know, the way to get involved would be to find me on Instagram at the Sean French and message me. I answer all my messages. Now there's a, hold on, let me qualify that. Unless you are trying to sell me crypto. Um, Trying to tell me you can get me more engagement. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. You know, so trying over to sell that. me podcast reviews. Like I'm not, no. Like, yeah. but if you are coming to me, I always check my request box and my hidden request because I don't want to miss anybody that needs help. So you can go there um, or you can email me, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com. I'll answer. Oh, thank yeah, you. So, you're, um, you're amazing. Yeah. You are amazing in the impact you. you're making um, is incredible. And I got one last question for you. Absolutely. Uh, what is your definition of resilience? Oh gosh. My definition of resilience is when you're feeling that pain, not running from it, that, that, that emotional pain of where you're at, mm -hmm. but leaning into it and feeling the feelings, acknowledging them, but still doing it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And not saying, well, I don't feel like it. So I'm not going to today. You still do it. That's a resilient individual. Mm -hmm. I love that. Powerful. Well, you guys, the links for his Instagram, his email website will be in the show notes, um, but take a picture and tag us on social media. I love that when I see that in, you know, a, a story with somebody sharing the podcast and uh, when I see it and you've tagged me, I always reshare it. So Sean, thank you for being absolutely in my life, my friend, on the show, sharing your wisdom. And I just really appreciate you. And thank y'all so much for tuning in. I appreciate you listening to the show because of you. You have made this podcast a top 1% podcast globally. So thank you for being here. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Thank you for sharing it. Um, that means a lot. Make sure that uh, you catch us next week and listen to the next episode. But Sean, thank you for being oh, here. Thank you. Much love. Much love. And um, we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.